Yeah, he said start at quarter after, we're at 20 after, so. Okay. Okay, should we start with a prayer? Uh, Dear Lord in heaven, thank you for this time that we have together. I ask, Lord, that uh, our time of studying the Heidelberg Catechism may be fruitful and honorable to you. And we ask uh, blessings for everybody that is here. In thy name we pray. Amen. So, sorry. So we're going to start with uh, Lord's Day 1 which is question and answer one and two, which are two of, two of my favorite um, question and answers. And I think it, it's just, uh, we'll start by just reading them, huh? What is your only comfort in life and death? That I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, I know we're not a hallelujah and amen church, but hallelujah and amen, Right? Does it get any better than that? Well, yes, it does. Who with his precious blood has fully satisfied all my sins and has delivered me from the power of the devil and so preserves me in a way that without the will of my heavenly Father not a hair can fall from my head, yea, that all things must supervent to my salvation. Wherefore, his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. And the second question, how many things are necessary for you to know that you in this comfort may find, may live and die happily? Three things. First, how great my sins and misery are. Second, how I'm delivered from those sins and misery. And the third, how I'm to be thankful to God for such deliverance. So I guess the key word that always grabs me that I think is perfectly written is the word comfort. What do you think of when you hear that word comfort? Security? So a, a state of mind. Okay. Peace, okay. Uh, How about uh, fearlessness? If you're at a bank and it's being robbed, you don't feel too comfortable with a guy standing there with a gun, right? If you're a a teller or even a a customer. Um, I haven't heard the Dutch answer yet. What about financial stability? That gives you comfort, doesn't it, right? (laughs) So it feels a lot better if you don't have to choose between one bill or the other. You can actually pay both bills and have $100 left in your checking book. That gives you comfort, right? What gives us discomfort? Death. It's not usually a comfortable feeling. Pain. Good. Uh, The unknown, perhaps. The unknown. Anxiety, abduction, home invasion, guilt. Good. 
Some people, what, what, what is the basis of that um, discomfort? Is our sin and misery, right? Without sin and misery, we wouldn't have these other things involved. We wouldn't have a shooting if everybody was good. You wouldn't have to be uncomfortable about that. If we had a different monetary system, we wouldn't have to worry about financial comfort and stuff like that. Um, so really all of our discomfort is sin or misery based. And a lot of non-Christians like to kind of ignore that or pass that off, but it's always the other guy that it happens to, right? So is it true then that only Christians can have true comfort? Bob? Right, so it's, it's it's our peace and our comfort comes from the fact that we belong to Him. Who else would you like to belong to? I've done enough mistakes in my life. I know I don't want to belong to me. I know I don't want somebody else in control of my life either. That's sinful, right? So we have a perfect being that is is um, in control of our life. So much so that not a hair will fall from our head. That's found in Luke 21.8. So, you know, this whole male powder and baldness here wouldn't happen unless God allowed it. Thank goodness he left the rugged good looks, right? <laughs> but it's not just us men that lose hair either. I've got to tell a little side story. I know at my apartment I had a young woman that lived there, and uh, her drains were slow. So I went there. And I kind of figured out what drain it was, and it was in a three-inch line. Well, I didn't have a snake for that, but I used my snake anyway, and I got it in there, and I curled it up, and I yanked it out, and out came this thing that was probably about two feet long and about this big. Woman's hair. She lived by herself. And the first thing I thought of was this verse. The second thing I thought of was, why does she have more hair than I have at this point, right? <laughs> Not a hair will fall from your head? Oh, yeah. When I pulled that hair out and I thought, God allowed each one of these? And this is, this is a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. It was all kind of a certain color, Bob, at that point. So, when we look back at the times of uh, before, before Mount Sinai and, and Moses coming down, we were, that was really a lawless time. I mean, we believe we live in a very, very uh, dark time now. But that time before, that misery just was inbred it throughout, right? So much so that that's when we got the flood. And shortly after the flood was the tower of Babel, that Forsell mentioned a little bit this morning. But that's things that God uses to control the things that happen to us, right? Nothing will happen to us without his will. But he also uses these type of things in order to control that. 
So by sending different languages to the Tower of Babel, it spread the people out and made different nations. That's kind of what we got going now, right? So Russia, right, is attacking another country. If we were all together on one, would that be happening? But since we aren't, now we look at that as being uh, something that we have to, NATO looks at that as something that's being uh, something we have to attack, right, or stop, so that one evil can't keep ruling. God uses other nations to try to stop that, and hopefully we will, right? So, if God would not allow a hair to fall from our head, does that mean if we're Christians, nothing bad will happen to us? Things happen to us as much as it happens to everybody else, right? Why is that? So if, he's, if he knows that you're going to lose a comb full of hair this morning, he knows what your next blood test is going to be, right? And another verse that goes along with that is Matthew 10, 29, right? With the buy two sparrows, uh, sparrows with a penny, and not one will fall to the ground without the will of the Father. Now how much more are you of value than that of the sparrow? So if we have all that, and we read that verse over, or that question one over, and that answer, Bob and Fursell have been teaching pietism, doesn't the answer there kind of breed pietism? Of the far as, uh, you know, the Heavenly Father takes care of everything, why should we have to do anything? What in that answer do you think changes that? And I think it's that last sentence, right? For live for him. So if we're going to live for him, we're going to be doing, we're going to be preaching his word. This is, this is good news. Why wouldn't we spread this around? When you uh, get approved to buy a house, Right? They accepted your offer. The bank says, yep, you're going. This is exciting news. You don't just go home and throw the papers in the, in the drawer. You call people up. Hey, we got the house, right? Or you got that car you've been waiting for. You don't just park it in the garage. You go show your, your buddies that knew that you wanted that car all your life. So you want to spread the, the, the word. You want to spread this good news. If we're Christians and we're trying to... Uh, to teach others. If we don't teach them happiness, it's kind of like uh, selling duct tape and saying it's only good for duct work, right? Duct tape's got 100,001 uses. And that brings me to the second question. 
how many things are necessary for you to know that you in this comfort may live and die happily? So, happiness. Give me examples of happiness. How about contentment? That would bring happiness. Appreciation. Right? Not worrying. Part of that whole comfort thing. And there's happiness and there's also pleasures. What things would be pleasures? Things like maybe... Yeah. There's, there's good pleasures and bad pleasures, correct? I mean, you can eat a meal and enjoy that meal. That's a good pleasure. You can hike up a hill and look at God's creation. That's a, a beautiful pleasure. Not for me. I'd rather take a four-wheeler than look at it. That's a pleasure. But. So there's pleasures are things that, right, that last, that are enjoyable. But after a time, they're done. I can eat that meal and I can enjoy that meal but I won't enjoy that meal again. Now, maybe I'll have the memory of it, but really to enjoy that meal again, I'm going to have to do it again. Whereas happiness is something that lasts us every day. It's a state of mind, not just short term. Suicide right now, we don't live in a happy world. Suicide is up 33% in the last decade. That's not telling me that there's a lot of happiness in this nation. And part of that, of course, is our separation, right? But what are you doing, what are we doing to teach our kids? Because a lot of that, that statistic is on younger adults. So you, if you ask your kids what makes them happy, are they going to give you answers like it must be shopping because the only time mom is happy is when she's shopping? Or is it hunting because the only time dad's hunting it's when he's happy, otherwise he's not happy. Or maybe they're saying, I don't know what happiness is, but I know it's not the church. Because mom and dad are cranky when they have to go to church. Or they're a lot more happier when they're going to a ball game or skipping church for brunch. So we can't expect our kids to be happy if we ourselves don't show our happiness. And we can't expect other Christians to be happy if we're not showing happiness within our own lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. It should be within yourself, and it should be a natural outcoming. If you are giving a false incentive, yeah, you're being hypocritical in a way, right? Kids will see through that. What did you say, Georgie? I'm sorry, I missed it. Yeah, correct. Yeah. But I think also what happens is if you don't have that true happiness is that you start putting pleasures into your timeline because those pleasures fill that, that void, that boredom, right? 
So if I don't have true happiness, but I want to be happy, I'm just going to keep adding pleasures in there. And what happens is, right, we start getting into pleasures that shouldn't be in there, right? There's sinful pleasures too. We start tearing into them because we're trying to fill that void. Yeah, right. Christy? Right, but they're putting their happiness as, as success, right? The one VP is jealous of the other VP because he's higher, he's got more position and more money and that type of thing, but that's because his happiness then is voided in what he can do. Yeah, well, he, and he's, success is the only part of happiness at that point for him. Yeah. <laughs> no, true that. We can basically, yeah, we can get, um, we have fond memories. But in order to make new memories, we almost have to keep that same happiness that we had when we had the fond memories too, right? Good. So we have to be happy ourselves you know, if we're going to teach happiness, right? And how do, we, how do we do that? And that's in the answer of question two, right? The first thing we have to do is know our sins. So if you tell an unbeliever uh, all those things you're putting in your timeline, the sinful ones you've got to take out of there. And that might sound kind of ironic. Well, wait a minute, you're going to take away what's given me happiness. To get happiness, that doesn't make much sense, right? It's like having a rash, and you scratch that rash, it feels good. But you're really not doing anything good for the rash. The rash is still there. If you put the salve on the rash, now you have the itchiness is gone, correct? So if your pleasure is um, shoplifting, and you take that away, 
It's not until you realize that it's shoplifting. If you think that uh, stealing is only when you take for your neighbor, but taking a candy bar from uh, the gas station isn't a sin, you're not going to recognize that sin as being something that adds to your misery, right? Does that make sense to you? So you have to understand that what you're doing, if you're doing something wrong, is a sin, and the only way we can find that out is through God's word. And the second part is, is, is uh, knowing how I'm saved, right? So we know that's Christ's blood is the only one that's going to save us from those sins. So, right, he's the salve that takes care of the rash. Um, but I think the, another thing that I'm going to add that I don't think is in there is then we should be taking steps, too, to not repeat those sins, Right? If your sin is to shoplift and you realize that it's wrong, but you go to that same gas station, right, and in the second aisle the guy can't see you, the mirror is tipped and that camera is not working, but every time you go in there you've got to take that candy bar, if you're asking for repentance, you'd probably try not to do that sin anymore. So either you go to a different gas station, you go down a different aisle, Right? Taking steps to eliminate the sins that keep us is going to be, if you're asking for repentance, I think you should be looking for steps to keep you away from that sin. And then the fourth, the third part is being thankful. Why is that important? Right? So the three steps was knowing your sin, knowing how I'm delivered from the sin, and how I'm thankful to God for deliverance. Why would thankfulness be part of that? So it, you've admitted your sin, you, um, you ask for repentance, but now you have to cement it with your appreciation. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I just feel like if you're not if you don't appreciate the thankfulness, if you don't give the thankfulness, you, you lose the part of, of where, the, where it comes from. Okay, gotcha.
And that's where your appreciation comes in. That's where your thankfulness comes in, is that, uh, you know, I was there. I, I could still be there, right? Uh, but I was given the, the realization that that was my sin. I, I repented from it, and now I can be grateful for it. And I should be grateful for it, right? Correct. You wouldn't. You, you wouldn't be looking for your sin if you're, if you're not seeking, seeking God in the first place, right? Correct. We show, we show gratitude for a birthday present, right? Why? Because we're, we're thankful that that person thought of us and gave us that gift. We, we are thankful to God that he thought of us and gave us our salvation. Right. 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 Good. And what he's doing and where he's, yeah, and, and his whole plan, and his plan that has been that way from the beginning, right? So, good. All right. Should we... Any other comments? I'm sorry. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord in heaven, we thank you for this great news that you give us. We thank you, Lord, that we are not in control of our own lives and that we belong to you, body and soul. We thank you, Lord, that you have delivered us from ourselves and that you have put us above uh, the sparrows and that you have... It's nothing that we've done that we've deserved, O Lord. It's just your good graciousness to us. Help us, Lord, that if we are in sin, that we recognize these sins and that we uh, do steps to uh, not repeat them and we and go to you, Lord, for repentance. And, Lord, we thank you for that. In thy wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen.